KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Good morning. I'm Tebby Cruz. It's Wednesday, October 19th. A new law is meant to shine a spotlight on cases of police discrimination. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Good news for 43 million Americans who have student debt. You can now sign up online for federal student loan forgiveness. 12 million people have already applied, and people who have signed up told KPBS it took less than five minutes. To qualify, your income for 2020 or 2021 must be less than $125,000 a year as a single tax filer or under $250,000 as a couple or family. You can apply at studentaid.gov. The deadline is December of next year. A motorcyclist who lost a leg in a freeway crash caused by a Navy sailor in National City has reached a nearly $11 million settlement with the federal government. It's believed to be the largest settlement ever in a personal injury case involving a vehicle collision against the federal government in San Diego. The crash happened in 2019 on Interstate 5, when a sailor driving a Navy van struck another vehicle, causing a chain reaction of crashes into Peter Arthur's motorcycle. He was thrown from his motorcycle and sustained serious injuries. Arthur is a Navy veteran. The average price of regular gas in San Diego County has dropped to under $6 a gallon for the first time since last month. Yesterday, the average price of regular gas dropped to $5.98 a gallon. The price drop of more than $0.07 cents is the largest decrease since 2018, but the average price is still nearly $0.60 cents higher than last month, and gas prices are $1.54 higher than this time last year. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A new state law went into effect in January. That requires law enforcement agencies to release records about officer discrimination. But investigative reporter Claire Trigasser found most local police departments say they have nothing to report. It was a night in Vegas that didn't stay in Vegas. In January 2020, Sheriff's Deputy Andrew Phillips and his girlfriend spent hours at a casino drinking heavily with a group of German tourists. That's according to a sheriff's report. Later, the group went up to a hotel room. That's where things took a turn. Phillips allegedly punched a hole in a wall and pulled out his gun. 
He was arrested by Las Vegas police. Well, he's claiming that that's his girlfriend. She's in the room. They got in a fight over Russian Nazis. So exactly what he's claiming. Oh, that, that's just what he said. That's what he's saying. Phillips was fired for breaking several sheriff's department rules, drinking while armed with a gun, and saying he's in law enforcement to avoid arrest. If the roles were reversed and I was in San Diego and I was put in the same situation, I'd respect the, the course and process, okay? But all of this would have stayed secret if Phillips hadn't broken one other rule. Who are you claiming to? German idiots. He said discriminatory things about the Germans. Oh, you said they were Russian. Russian, German, where the hell they are? They're speaking some other damn language. Mm -hmm. Russian, German, whatever the hell they are, he says. They were speaking some other damn language. A new state law says when departments find their officers say or do discriminatory things, those records have to be public. But San Diego County police agencies say they have nothing to report. The Phillips case is just one of six released. But does that mean all officers are behaving correctly? Nancy Skinner, the state senator who wrote the law, is dubious. If you have a culture in an agency, where they, number one, don't even want to recognize misconduct. So even if the officer is behaving in the way I described, they don't sustain a finding, then that doesn't serve us. It could be that the reviews aren't done thoroughly, so no discrimination is found. Or it could be that officers don't want to report on each other. I mean, I was scared to report it because I didn't want to be known as like the weak female or you know, the quote-unquote snitch or rat. Stacy Ralph is a former sheriff's detective suing the department for sexual harassment. So I think there's this fear of reporting because then, you know, everybody looks at you like, oh, I can't work with that person because they're a snitch and they can't take jokes. There's also reluctance to report from members of the public. So the first big issue is that the public does not think that these discrimination claims will be taken seriously. Rashawn Ray is a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. He says people may not want to go into a station or give out personal information to file a report. And even if they do... Discrimination claims are extremely, extremely hard to prove. And it does oftentimes come down to a community member said and a police officer said. And that's the reason why video evidence is so, so important. Video evidence is crucial in these cases. So says Lieutenant John Boyce, who runs the San Diego Department's Internal Affairs. He calls it body-worn cameras, or BWCs. I can think of several examples where there's an allegation of uh, some insensitive term being used. And um, when we review the BWC, um, we clearly see that it ne never occurred. He says the low number of discrimination cases is a sign of progress. I would like to think that it just shows that our um, the Debbie sheriffs and employees of the San Diego Sheriff's Department are are doing their job impartially and um, and doing what we expect of them. What does Russians have to do with anything? But community members who deal with police say there is discrimination going on, and more than just sheriff's deputies like Andrew Phillips saying things about Germans. Claire Tregesser. KPBS News. Health officials say the pandemic is becoming more manageable. Monday, the governor announced California's state of emergency will end early next year, should trends continue. 
KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman has more on what that could mean for San Diego. Certainly, you know, you can't continue a state of emergency perpetually. Over at UC San Diego Health, Chief Medical Officer Dr. Chris Longhurst isn't forecasting a huge impact with the state set to lift its emergency response next February. The state's top doctor says the threat of the virus is still real, but the current situation is manageable. Longhurst says it's clear to him that we're moving to an endemic stage. Which means this virus is going to be with us for a while. And people who are immunocompromised or elderly or otherwise at high risk should maintain that set of vigilance. For the rest of us, it's like the winter flu. Locally, health officials say the announcement doesn't change what they're doing now. Vaccines and testing remain available. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. New technology arrived at the border in Otay Mesa yesterday to deal with the old pollution problem from semi-trucks entering Mexico. KPBS reporter Alexander Wynn explains. On an average day, roughly 3,500 semi-trucks cross the border at Otay Mesa. They are the backbone of California's economy, bringing in goods from south of the border but they are also a major contributor to pollution. The trucks are responsible for roughly 50% of all the pollutant we see in the air here in California. Randall Offer is an air pollution specialist with the California Air Resources Board. He says these diesel trucks emit particulate matter that is hazardous for your health. That's why CARB developed the Portable Emission Acquisition System, or PEAKS. It will allow the agency to screen more trucks and catch ones that don't meet California's emission standards. Alexander Wynn, KPPS News. Coming up. How the Padres' playoff series against the Phillies is helping out local businesses. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Student safety is at the top of mind for all schools. In Valley Center, a new resource is giving schools more peace of mind. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has the story. Valley Center High School has a new process for anyone stepping foot on the school campus. The Raptor security system scans a visitor's ID and prints out a badge. That badge will need to be worn by the visitor at all times while on campus. It does 
help account for who's on campus should something occur and it will help in the evacuation process and accounting for anybody that we would need to um, locate. Lieutenant Jim Emig is a station commander at the Valley Center Sheriff's Substation. He says the security system has been installed at all of the Valley Center Palma Unified Schools. The San Pasquale Economic Development Corporation funded the $14,000 program. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. The Padres' playoff series against the Phillies is bringing big money to local businesses. But it's not great for fans who want to see the game at Petco Park. Much like the last series against the Dodgers, resale ticket prices are extraordinarily high, from just under $200 to over $1,000 per seat. Felipe Cataquiz bought tickets for himself and his son to watch Tuesday's game. It went up to like 291 so I went ahead and grabbed it. But then, you know, they charge you a $160 service fee. So all in all, it's about almost 800 bucks. Yesterday's and today's games are played at Petco, and then the park will host watch parties for at least the Friday and Saturday games in Philadelphia. Then, if more games are needed, Game 5 will be the last one on the road before it's back to Petco for Game 6 and 7. The local arts organization Write Out Loud's Poe Fest provides audiences with a chance to meet Edgar Allan Poe, the master of such morbid 19th century works as The Raven and The Telltale Heart. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando took advantage of this opportunity to speak with Mr. Poe directly to get insights into his work. We're very fortunate today to actually have Mr. Edgar Allan Poe with us to discuss his work. So, Mr. Poe, what do you think has contributed to the legacy of your work? Without any doubt, morbidity, curiosity, the curiosity of morbid young minds. For young minds are indeed curious about the darker aspects of the human soul, the darker, more violent more volatile areas of sanity. In one of my stories, The Premature Burial, I state, the lines which divide life from death are at best shadowy and vague. Who is to say where one ends and the other begins? I also contend that the lines which divide the boundaries between sanity and insanity are also shadowy and vague. It has been the case throughout history that humans grow fascinated, curious about madness, mental fragility. That said, I offer this bit of caution to young readers. Be cautious when you seek madness. You just may find it. And as a writer, what inspires you to write these particular kind of stories? What are you drawing on? Ah, where to begin? Well, I struggled throughout my lifetime. Many know that. Not many know the extent to which I struggled through my lifetime. My father disappeared before I was even a year old. My mother tragically died before I was three. I was separated from my siblings, raised by shrewd Virginia tobacco merchants, 
my foster parent, John Allen, was, well, not the warmest paternal figure. Everyone I loved, every woman I ever fell in love with, died in my lifetime, and I had to watch it happen. And it would seem that during my lifetime, for the most part, the world was just coldly indifferent to my poetry. I was more successful as an author than a poet in my lifetime. And I was more successful as an editor than either of the other two. I really made my living as an editor and critic more so than writing original works. It frustrated me. It angered me to no extent. Therefore, I fled from my anger into the world of fiction and gothic horror and gothic poetry and sadly substances as well therefore I suppose it could be said that the rage I felt in my everyday life was channeled into my writing and what do you see as your legacy my legacy the foray into the darkness of one's creative soul inspiration for generations after generations of young writers, as well as perhaps a resurgence into themes of Halloween, horror, and terror, the macabre that we experience within our own souls, is perhaps not something that we should see as a challenge stumbling block, but more so as an element of our psyche that makes us stronger, provided that we channel our rage properly. Okay, I know you didn't really think that was Edgar Allan Poe speaking to me from beyond the grave, but it was the 19th century author channeled through actor Travis Rhett Wilson, who's part of Write Out Loud's Poe Fest. Wilson will be performing The Raven and serving up an encounter with the tormented writer over the next two weekends. I asked Wilson how he first got introduced to Poe. My dad read The Raven to me when I was nine, and I was just fascinated by the language. I didn't understand any of it, so I wanted to learn more, and I went in, learned what some of the words meant, familiarized myself with a lot of his other works. I didn't really start digging into his backstory until college, and I found this dusty old biography called The Haunted Man, and I just read about him, and I thought, wow, this guy was A very angry, hateful man toward the end. How did he get this way? And I wanted to know more. And knowing that someday I wanted to play this guy. And here we are. That was actor and poe enthusiast Travis Rhett Wilson speaking with KPBS arts reporter Beth Hakamondo. Right Out Loud's Poe Fest continues through the next two weekends at Villa Montezuma Museum and highlights not just Poe, but also Mary Shelley, Shakespeare, and Robert Louis Stevenson. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. 
Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.